if you have your Bibles, take and turn them with me to the to the fifth chapter of the book of James. We're going to try our best, Yahweh willing, to finish James tonight. We've been going over this book for well over a year now, and so uh, we'll do our best to do our best to get through with it tonight. I hope we've all learned something from it, some practical life lessons that can not only be applied now but in years to come. I'm so thankful for Yahweh's prophets, his apostles, his disciples, the people that that uh, carried out his ministry and wrote the epistles and the letters that they did that we have today so that we can, you know, read them. This is the way that Yahweh speaks to us through his word. He he did it through the through the means of men and the the writing upon of stone tablets and things like that, all the way down to us to what we have inspired here in front of us today. So I'm so thankful for that. James chapter 5 and verse 19 and 20 says this, starting at verse 19, it says, My brothers, if any among you strays from the truth and someone turns him back, he should know that whoever turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save his life from death and cover a multitude of sins. Now I know you've heard me say this a lot throughout the, or over the last year, I guess, throughout this study, but the whole epistle of James has simply been a series of tests for the scattered sheep of Israel. That's the intention of the book. Over and over and over again, James has given directions on how to basically do a litmus test on yourself to see if you're in the faith. In chapter 1, he gives us a test of how we go through trials, how we deal with temptation, how we receive the word, and how we apply it. In chapter 2, he tells us to examine ourselves and how we view other people and whether or not we show favoritism. He reminds us to see if our faith is accompanied by works, because if it's not, it's useless. Then in chapter 3, we have the test of the tongue and the exposition of the wisdom that is received from above. He tells us in chapter 4 to consider our attitude of humility. Are we really humble or not? He tells us about our pride and how it destroys us. He tells us to submit our lives to Yahweh and to draw near to Him, to him so that He would draw near to us. He rebukes the people for having their own agenda and assuming that they can control their future and their circumstances that are involved. And then in chapter 5, which I think is probably my favorite chapter thus far, he warns the rich not to heap up treasure, but to rather find comfort in what Yahweh's blessed you with. He tells us to make our attitude of suffering like that of the, that of the prophets, not complaining, but enduring for the sake of righteousness and Yahweh's ministry. He warns, us to take, he warns us of taking oaths in any other name other than the name of Yahweh. And then last time I taught, we talked about the effective prayer of the righteous, how spiritually dry people should call for the leaders of the church and should be anointed with oil and be refreshed by prayers of people who are strong in the faith. So this whole epistle has had the, had the backdrop of saving lost souls. That's the intention behind it. Turning back sinners or causing ones who confess to be in the faith to examine themselves and see if their faith is real. To put it like Paul put it, I guess, to see if they, they, they don't just have a form of godliness, but they actually have a reality. To see if they're not just professors, but possessors. To see if they're not just hearers, but they're also doers of his word. That's the intent of the whole epistle. So what better way could he close his letter than by saying, My brothers, if any among you stray from the truth, and someone turns him back, he should know that whoever turns a sinner back from the error of his ways will save his life from death and cover a multitude of sins. James is basically saying, if any of you 
will do what I've been doing throughout this whole epistle, throughout this whole letter. You'll save the soul of your brother from death. And his sins will be covered. A multitude of sins, that is. In other words, if you'll examine things and point out errors in ways that people can see their sin, or they can test their faith, you'll cause them to see the error of their ways and they'll turn from it. And hopefully by Yahweh's grace, they'll draw near to him. And their sins will be covered and the soul will be saved. Remember, in the verses just before this, last time I taught, he was dealing with the need for the elders and those who are strong in the faith to pray for those believers among them who were weak and downtrodden in their faith. But now James has changed the thought from how believers should treat each other, how the believing strong pray for the believing weak. And now he's moved on to say how the believers should treat the unbelievers among them who have failed the test that they've been given to take. In other words, the entire epistle has been has been a has been given as a test of genuine faith. James says, test yourself. Examine your own faith. First, by all those tests that we just talked about in chapters 1 through 5, make sure that your faith is real. But not only that, in the last part of James right here, he doesn't doesn't stop. He also says to examine others at the end of his letter. Examine other people. Examine, Examine the ones that are around you. You as a believer strong in your faith, if you've passed the test, should examine others among you so that you can help to draw them back or turn them back to a true faith. James says, pursue those who have failed the test of genuine faith and help them. See, James already made a call to these brothers of unbelief back in in chapter 4, verses 7 through 8, when he tells them to submit to Yahweh, but resist the devil, and he will flee. Draw near to Yahweh, and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts. And now in the end, James is telling the brothers to do the same thing he has done and call out to those among them who have strayed. These people he calls brothers are those strong in the faith, true believers, and he tells them if any others among you stray from the truth. In other words, if they failed the test, they don't have true faith. They're unbelievers. And you, as a strong believer, turns him back. Then you should know that you have helped save the soul from death. This is just a final exhortation of James in the believing, to the believing saints to constantly be at work for the sanctification of the brothers that may not be born again. It's kind of like it's kind of like telling a shepherd to tend to his flock, tend to his sheep. In other words, care for your brethren enough to look out for them and to call out to them when they stray in order to turn them back to the fold. How many people in here know people who used to come to this church but don't come anymore for whatever reason? I'm talking about people that confess to have a working relationship with Yahweh, but we haven't seen them in months, or we haven't seen them in years. People who profess the son of Yahweh, but they're no longer living like he lived. If you inquire of these people, it usually only turns out to be a bad report of how they slipped away and they no longer serve him. That's usually what you get. But rather, they become a friend to the world, and thus making them an enemy with Yahweh. These are the people that James is telling the believing brothers to save and to turn back. All those who believe, these are the ones that you gather. These are the ones that you grab. I think he's focusing on those who are going to go out because they're genuine and turn the hearts of those who are false around. So what should we do then? How do we know who we need to help? Well, notice James says, anyone who strays from the truth. The word stray here is the Greek word 
Planeo, if I'm saying it right, and it means to wander or to roam or to be in error or to be led astray. It's of the word group that we get our word planet from, and I guess you could say it means to be a wandering body. The word is used in Scripture many times to refer to a physical wandering and many times to refer to a spiritual wandering. And it's, and it's frequently used to refer to the wandering condition of the unsaved. For example, Matthew chapter 22 and verse 29, Yeshua answers the Sadducees in their ridiculous question about the resurrection. And he tells them this, he says, you are deceived, that's the Greek word planeo, you are received because you don't know the scriptures or the power of the Almighty. He equates their their deception or wondering with a lack of understanding or knowledge. Another good example is Titus chapter 3 and in verse 3, it says this, it says, For we too were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, same word, the Greek word planeo, deceived, captives of passions and pleasures, living in the malice and envy, hatred, detesting one another. Once again, the lost are associated with being led away or straying away. And in both of these cases, the word is translated deceived. And rightly so, if you're pulled away from the truth, what are you? You're deceived. If you're drawn away by other things, you're deceived. So the first way to know who needs help is to identify who is strayed away from the truth. Those are the ones that need our help. <clears throat> they've seen the miracles of Yeshua, or they've, they've heard of them. They've heard the gospel and professed to believe upon the Son, but some way they've been deceived and have wandered from the truth, denying the truth of the only Son of Yahweh. These are the ones in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 29, that trample the blood of the Son of Yahweh. They are the ones that stray. They stray from the inerrant. I'll say this right this time. They they stray from the inerrant word of Yahweh, the word as a whole. But primarily, I think the gospel message. They stray from they stray from the teaching that he was the, the perfect, unblemished lamb that come lived a perfect life. He died a sacrificial death. He was raised victoriously, and he sits at the right hand of the Father, where he reigns on high. Now. Well, this is a sign of someone who's not born again. This is a characteristic of a of somebody who's who's never been made new. Somebody that doesn't doesn't believe this anymore, or even if they confess to believe it before, if they don't believe it anymore, this is a characteristic of somebody who's not born again. Those who are born again do not reject the word of Yahweh. So to sum it up, these are the ones who err in belief or err in theology, if you will. They they they're they got their whole theology theological mindsets all mixed up. Next in verse 20, it says this, Whoever turns a sinner away from the error of his way will save his life. So the second identifying attribute is their way. In other words, their lifestyle or their pattern of living, the way that he goes about from day to day. This is probably the easiest way to tell whether or not a person is genuine in their faith. It's easier to see than to hear. In this verse, it calls him a sinner, meaning a transgressor of the law. So because of his unbelief, Unbelief, he has fallen into a disobedient lifestyle which results in death. This is what they need saving from, this this wicked lifestyle. That death is eternal. We're not talking about the first death here. We're talking about the second death. The word sinner is always used to refer to those who are outside the kingdom, who are lost. First John chapter 3, verse 7 and 8, it says, Little children, let no one deceive you. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who commits sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned since the beginning. So a sinner is an unregenerate, unregenerate practicing sinner. He's like the devil, 
And they're desperate. They're in desperate need of a Savior. All sinners are in desperate need of a Savior. Romans chapter 1, verse 6 and verse... Romans chapter 6 and verse 23 says this, The wages of sin is death. So these sinners are headed not to eternal life, but rather to eternal death. The second death. That's the one that we have in mind here. The second death. We're talking about a fire that burns forever. A worm that never dies, weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth, darkness. This is a serious matter. We call these people our loved ones. We sit in church with them. We watch them grow up beside us. We go to Bible schools with them. These are people that pray beside us and then walk away. And we let them go. We let them go. James says though, if, we, if we turn those back, those back. These are your kinsmen, possibly people who confess to know Yeshua. They were raised in church beside us, but now they know where to be found. We don't, we don't see them on the Sabbath day. Where do they go? They don't walk in obedience anymore when you see them out and about and Yahweh's not going to be the topic of your conversation when you speak to them. These are people that you used to love and you used to fellowship with, and they need our help. So we know how to identify them. They have strayed from the truth, and their lifestyle is full of unregenerate sin. So what do we do? James encourages us that if we turn a sinner from the error of his ways, that we can save his soul from death. So what must we do? Notice the verse says, if someone turns him back, it doesn't say if the preacher turns him back, if the deacon turns him back, if the elder turns him back. It says if someone turns him back. That's all of us. That's all of us in here. If all of us as believers, that's someone. We can turn somebody back. Second Corinthians chapter 5, and verses 18 through 20, it says this. Now everything is from Yahweh who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that is in Christ. Yahweh was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ. Look, the us who has the ministry of reconciliation is the us who Yahweh reconciled. All the time I prayed that Yahweh would put somebody in my path that I could witness to. All the time I think, when I pray, I say, Yahweh, just send somebody that I might witness to, somebody that I might could help, somebody that I might could change their life. And the whole time, I've got them sitting all around me. Or they've left and gone out, and they were sitting all around me. I already know them. I had plenty of people to witness to. We should start with the ones that who are sinners. Let's turn back the ones who we already know. Let's give up. Let's, let's go after the sheep that have gone astray that come from this fold, that left from this block. There's plenty of people that we can go out and reach. Let's not give up on the ones that belong to us. When Peter preaches in Acts chapter 3 to the men of Israel who killed Yeshua, he tells them this in verse 17 through 20. He says, and now brothers, he calls them brothers. These are the people that crucified his Lord and Master. He calls them brothers. He says, I know that you did it in ignorance, just as your leaders also did. But what Yahweh predicted through the mouth of all the prophets that his Messiah would suffer... He has fulfilled in this way. Therefore, repent and turn back that your sins may be wiped out so that seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of of the Lord and that he may send Yeshua who has been appointed Messiah for you. These are the people that killed the son of Yahweh. And he says, he's trying to turn them back. He says, repent, turn back from the error of your ways. 
if they can be turned back, don't you think those that we know can? Don't you think that these these brothers and sisters that, that we've lost can? In other words, brothers and sisters, there's hope. This is our ministry. We could possibly be the vehicle by which lost souls are saved. James is not teaching a ministry of judgment here in his closing, but rather a ministry of perception. One where we examine a person, examine our brothers or others who may be struggling. And if we see that they have failed the test, if we see their downfall, then we help them up. We help them to turn back that their soul may be saved from death. That's what James is teaching us to do. We're called to be ambassadors for Christ, Paul told us, so we should share the gospel message with a lost soul that if they turn from the error of their ways, they'll be forgiven a multitude of sins and will be saved from death if they've turned back to righteousness. Let's not let the phrase multitude of sins be how we perceive the lost brother's life, but rather let's see a multitude of sins in light of Yahweh's grace and mercy through His Son and how plentiful His grace and mercy is, so plentiful that it covers a multitude of sins. Brothers and sisters, let's not let the ones we love whether they've confessed to be believers or not confessed to be believers, let's not let that dictate whether or not they can have salvation. Get out of the judgment seat. That's Yahweh's job, not ours. Let's start here amongst ourselves and encourage each other to be on a mission for lost souls. Let's reach out to those who know, to those who we know, who we haven't seen in a while, someone who, who knows the right way and needs to be turned back to it. I know it's Yahweh's job to give the increase if he so chooses, but are you planting every seed that you can plant, and are you watering every seed that you've planted? I don't know about you, but I have a renewed sense of urgency to talk to a few people that I know that I could probably witness to that have that seem to have fallen away from the faith. Maybe they, I, I'm of the persuasion that they probably never were saved, but they're people that I love. I've got brothers and sisters and mother and father, that may not be regenerate, but I love them. And if I love them enough in a worldly sense, shouldn't I at least love them enough to share with them, share the gospel with them so that I might turn them away from their sin and Yahweh might give them a new heart? If I'm ever out there and I'm not living as I should, I hope somebody reaches out to me and helps me to find my way back. It's important that we hold each other accountable. If you see me, in sin, if you're examining my life and you see me in sin, you need to point it out to me. Don't let me die in my sin. Please, don't let me die in my sin. Don't let me, because I've become a wandering soul, don't let me be deceived and stray from the truth. Reach out to me and try to turn me back. My brethren, if any among you stray from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that whoever turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save his life from death and cover a multitude of sin. I don't know who wouldn't want to be part of that. I know that as an ambassador of Christ and a believer in this verse from the book of James, I would hate to know that I didn't do my part in planting and watering seeds and reaching out to a lost brother so that Yahweh could use me in giving his increase to an otherwise lost soul. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 37, Yeshua says this. He says, The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore pray to the Yahweh of harvest to send out workers into this harvest. I believe... That's the same thing that James is teaching here in James chapter 5, verse 19 and 20. So in closing, I hope you've enjoyed the book of James. I've, uh, I've, en- I've enjoyed studying it and teaching it. I've learned so much through this study, and I hope you have too. I've, I'll leave you with this summary. The book of James teaches us how to have a living, practicing, genuine, righteous 
work in true faith that saves. The kind of faith it takes to be assured that we won't have to hear those dreadful words from our master at the end of time. Depart from me. I never knew you. So I hope that you'll apply the principles taught throughout this great epistle and keep them fresh on your mind always. Our greatest goal in life should be to have that true saving faith that James teaches about, the true saving faith that will grant us those blessed words from our master. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter in. Yahweh, Father, we thank you for this day. and Thank you for your many blessings. Yahweh, I'm so thankful for um, your servant James and the epistle that he wrote to the twelve tribes of Israel. Father, and I'm thankful that we, we have it bound between the pages of what we call the Bible today, that we can read it and access it at all times. Father, it's not always been this way, and we know that, so we're thankful for that today. We love you so very much. I'm thankful for um, I'm thankful for my brothers and sisters, whom I love, Father, who who you've placed in my life. And Father, I just pray that you would you would let them all be mindful to um, to look out for other lost lost souls. And Father, since you've given us a ministry of reconciliation, Father, let us let us help to reconcile your um, your sheep, Father. Let us let us bring them back to the fold. Let us reach out for those who are lost. And, and help them to find their way back. Father, we love you so much, and we're so thankful for all that you've done and all that your son's done and how he's, how he's died on our behalf so that we may have eternal life. Father, we give you praise and honor and glory in all these things. We ask this in his holy name. Amen.